This is the Thinking Biblically podcast with Bible teacher Alan Gilman. Alan regards the entire Bible as the only inspired written Word of God. Through his teaching, he seeks to apply all Scripture to every area of life. More information about Alan Gilman's Bible teaching is available at his website, alangilman.ca. Welcome, everyone, to Thinking Biblically for Monday, February the 3rd, 2020. And welcome to my brand new format where I hope to be uh, providing these uh, weekly, I hope, um, and um, a little bit more on, call it on a timely basis in the, in the sense that um, my old format was I would write up an, an article on a biblical theme and uh, then I would read it and uh, wrap it as a, as a podcast. And, and now I'm, I'm hoping to be a little more current, a little more conversational. Um, I'm going to be still addressing biblical themes with the topic, of course, of thinking biblically. And I hope to maybe have guests on and interviews. I'd like to do some uh, some movie reviews and, and, and other things. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but um, what I'm really hoping is that this would be something that you can engage with. Of course, feel free uh, to comment, and um, and uh, e- you can email me, and um, be very happy to get into uh, discussions with you with the various topics and subtopics that we're going to be covering over the next little while. Um, so it is February the 3rd, which means it's the day after Super Bowl Sunday. Yesterday was a pretty important day. It was the first global palindrome day in 909 years. So it was being February the 2nd, 2020, it was 0202020, and it doesn't matter if you were doing day, month, year, or year, uh, no, start again, day, month, year, or month, day, year, it was going to be the same, and uh, you could look at it backwards or forwards and forwards or backwards, it would be the same thing. What the significance of this is, I really have no idea, it's just a little bit of number fun. Um, I was having a discussion um, Friday evening at our place about um, uh, leap years. Where it's a leap year this year, and uh, the question is: um, when February 29th appears on a particular day, how long does it take before it happens on that same day again? And that has a little bit of importance to me because, as uh, some of you may know, maybe most of you know, I've been providing something called Torah Bites since the fall of 1997, where I look at the weekly uh, Torah portion, the the reading of the books of Moses that's done in the synagogue each week, and I do a thought for the week that I call Torah Bites. You can look that up in torahbites.org, and I have that in written form. You can get it by email, and there's a podcast version as well. You can hear me um, reading it, just like my old format of thinking biblically. And I noticed as I was looking at the upcoming weeks for this month that um, February 29th happens on a Shabbat, on a, on a Saturday. So there's a Torah reading special for February the 29th. And then I wondered, when was the last time I had a Torah Bites for the week of February the 29th? And I haven't. I've been doing Torah Bites since 1997. You can do the math, and this will be the first time. And that's because it only happens every so many years. We'll leave it at that for now. Um, yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday, and um, so I had a, my own Super Bowl party. It was me and my 16-year-old son. Uh, we uh, 
we watched and really enjoyed the game and just the game. It was an incredible game. I, I think it was one of the most entertaining sporting events I've ever seen. It partly is entertaining because I don't really follow football that closely. Um, I'm one of those, you know, just watch the championship games. Here in Canada, we have the Canadian Football League and, the, and we do the Grey Cup uh, at the end of the fall. And uh, so I'll watch the Grey Cup game, watch the Super Bowl. I do enjoy it. Um, it's great watching, you know, the best of the best for the, the current year. And uh, I went in not really knowing anything about these teams, but I had heard about how the Kansas City Chiefs come from behind and, and have done so during the playoffs. And there, they were 10 points behind, and it was just like a storybook or a movie um, where, where they did it. They actually did it. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, now, I'm only commenting on the game. Didn't watch the halftime show. Didn't watch the pregame. Didn't watch the postgame. Just watched the game and it was amazing just the game and uh that that same thing with the commercials uh in canada we uh aren't easily able to get the uh, most of the, the the bulk of the incredible super bowl commercials so um there were a few on the canadian channel but um we were watching it for the game and the game was amazing um we live what a day we live in with the uh they call it the information age but it's the information overload age and uh so much is 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 hype and it's noise i remember my my father called music of the 60s noise and uh, if he only knew um where we would go and it it the noisiness of our day is just there's just so much uh clamor uh, people vying for attention, and uh, and the, the funny thing, and this is going to lead us into the topic that I want to look at today, and has to do with the topic of truth, as we learn to think biblically uh, on this podcast. Um, uh, that the truth is, has really had a bad rap for the past while, and uh, just so just before I look at that, um, give you a little bit of a taste of what thinking biblically is all about. Um, you may have heard the term biblical worldview, uh, which is a very important thing. It's it's uh, gaining how to look at the world through a, a biblical frame of reference. And that's basically what I'm seeking to do, but I want to do something that's a little more than that. Uh, a lot of my experience of, of biblical worldview presentations and understanding have a lot to do with uh, seeing how various um, elements of of life are to be understood according to the Bible. Uh, how do we understand justice according to the Bible? How do we look at the poor and the oppressed according to the Bible? How do we look at sex according to the Bible? And that's all very important. But the problem is the Bible isn't written in a topical form. And I'm going to talk more about that and how how to actually interact with how the Bible is presented to us. Um, but we tend to think very topically, and we're going to talk about a topic, I know, but um, but we tend to think of life in this very categorical sort of way. And then we try to make the Bible um, give us what we need to understand those categories. And actually, I think the Bible not only helps us to understand the categories of life, but it actually helps us to understand 
life itself. It it helps to define life, um, purpose, and and how to relate to the world in which we live in. And and that's that's the plan. And we'll 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 try to do it in you know big topics and and in the minutia and 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 that sort of thing. We'll see how it goes over the next little while. But today I want to start with the very important uh, concept of truth. And and as I said, truth had a really bad rap for the past while, uh, to the point that many people would assert that there isn't anything, there isn't any, truth itself doesn't really exist. You've heard the, the postmodern idea, truth is relative. And uh, that has to do with everybody has a perspective, and we only see things through that perspective. And there's a time and place to acknowledge that. But apart from our perspective, there is, according to many adherents of the Bible, there really is an objective truth, a truth that simply is. So I imagine um, that, uh, you know, if a, if a, a tree falls in the woods, uh, and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, isn't sound a physical property that's just there, whether there's somebody there to hear it or not? And, and the objective truth person would say, it's just something that is, and it doesn't matter uh, if you hear it, who hears it, how you hear it, doesn't matter. It's something that exists on its own. And that truth is like that, so that God himself exists on his own, and which I, I agree with. But I think the whole thing is really more complicated than how some or many biblically-minded people would uh, would want to assert. Um, and the reason for that is the postmodern idea isn't all wrong. It, this I, one of the reasons for um, understanding the understanding of all truth is relative, which I understand isn't is a a um, is a truth claim in and of itself. So if all truth is relative, then the statement, all truth is relative, has to be relative to, and I understand the, the, the logical inconsistencies, but I don't want to go down that route. I think it's, that's worth talking about. But there's something else going on, and I think it's something that we have to reckon with. If we're really going to understand how to, under, how to engage the, the world in which we live in a most effective way, and for the, the person who, who respects uh, the written word of God, the Bible, and believes in the God of the, of the Bible, and his son, the Messiah, Jesus, or Yeshua, as I like to call him as a Jewish person, because that's his actual name. Um, but I'm okay calling him calling him Jesus, because that's the, the common way to refer to him in, in our English culture. Um, but when we... Oh, we we can overly insist in in, in objective truth, and, and what I mean by that is we human beings who are engaging one another. Hopefully, someone is out there listening to me right now. Um, I'm speaking, you're listening, and what we're doing is we're using our our bodies as the interface through which we engage or in, encounter the world in which we live. And we do that uh, through our senses interpreting the world. Um, we know how uh, different people, uh, uh, you know, we go to taste something. And some people have 
a more sensitive sense of taste, or they might have a more sensitive sense of hearing, or a more sensitive um, sense of smell. And we've got all these billions of people in the world, and we're all interacting with the world in which we live, and we don't experience the world in exactly the same way. I actually find it... um, a design miracle, for lack of a better term, that we could agree for the most part on what colors are what and what tastes are what, that this is sour, this is sweet, even though between people there could be variations. Um, We have an ongoing thing about color in our home. I I think school buses are yellow, but I have family members that say they are orange. And I've actually looked it up, and it turns out that it is a bit of a controversy it's a certain, I say it's a certain um, shade of yellow. Uh, it's a yellow school bus. But anyway, um, there are shades of colors. There's shades of tastes. There's shades of sensations. And we all relate to the world in which we live in in a slightly different way. And so that um, everything we interact with in the world through our senses, uh, is interpreted. And uh, a great illustration of that, or a great example of that, is the eye. Um, So you and I could look at something and we might see different things about it, but as you probably know, it's it's way more complicated than that. Because here we we have our eye, and it looks at things, but it we don't actually look at things we actually see the reflection of light light off of things. The light bounces off of objects, and then it reflects off the back of our eyeball. And if I understand it correctly, that image of the reflection of light off of objects is hitting the back of my eyeball upside down. Then... My brain and the nerves, the, the nerves connected to the eye going to the brain, flip the image so that I can see the objects I'm looking at in an effective way so that I could navigate the world in which I live. Now, if there's something wrong with any part of this, my seeing system from the lens of my eye to my brain, I'm going to have trouble effectively navigating the world in which I live. Um, now, because most people see, physically see the world in which we live in mainly the same way, we're able to physically navigate this world. Now, as we grow up, we're taught how to navigate the world. Not all the ways that all people are taught about the world, the way we're taught to interpret the things that we encounter, is going to be the same. There are going to be differences. I learned from a very early age to be afraid of stinging insects. And I, it could be because my mother was nervous about them. could be because I was stung by them but that's very different from my wife her mother was very calm 
around these insects and taught her daughter that if she didn't move when there was a wasp or a bee, she would not get stung. Well, that's what she does, and she hasn't gotten stung. And I could, I could say that I haven't, when I've been stung when I haven't moved. I'm not too sure if what her mom told her was the absolute truth. And yet it's still done her well. And there's, we can go down many roads with this. Because there are things that people are taught that seem to work for them. And then they tell other people. And it seems that that's how it works. That that is the truth. But it may not be true. It might just work for them. And you could see how we can go to what, one, what might work for one person doesn't work for another person. And that could be true. And people with different levels of physical capability are going to navigate the world one way compared to people of other kinds of physical capability. Really short people don't have to be concerned about ducking under a, um, a door frame when they go through a door. And there's taller people that they always have to be mindful of that. Their physical differences demand a different kind of navigation with the world in which they live. Now, I would say that there is a doorframe there. But how people relate to the doorframe can be different. You know, we can go deeper in, into like whole philosophies, religions that have learned and have propagated notions about the world in which we live. Something in our very secular age that um, strikes me is the prevalence of superstition that, that still exists today. You'd think that by now, with, uh, with so much naturalism being taught, that um, you know, people would, would not only laugh at, but even show disdain for professional athletes and their lucky underwear, or, or they're not shaving during a championship series and some of these things. And yet, we don't poo-poo those things, but they're superstitions, as far as we know. Life doesn't actually work that way. Um, and so we learn to navigate the world and, and some ways are better than other ways. But the, the thing that I want to point out with this, this um, call it argument between those who say all truth is relative and then those who insist that no, truth is objective um, and, uh, and, and kind of like that's that is Everybody has to interpret the world in which we live. Everybody is, is engaging the world and isn't, isn't, there's no way that um, our mental and physical and even spiritual systems directly uh, connect with objective truth. Like even when, for those of you that have had spiritual experiences, you've interpreted them. You've understood them a certain way. And it's important that if you have a, a genuine encounter with the true God, that you go um, away from that experience or you move on from that experience in your life properly understanding what has happened to you and what it has meant. And yet often we don't do that. 
Often what we do is we have an experience, and it could be an authentic, legitimate one, and then we make certain determinations about that experience, and, and we can make very misguided ones. And so it isn't good enough just to be exposed to truth, but we need to understand that truth in the way that truth has been intended to understand. So thinking biblically is not simply being exposed to Bible truths. Thinking biblically demands that not only are we exposed to the truth of the Bible, but that we understand that truth in the way that the Bible itself calls us to understand. Now, before we continue with that, I just want to share some something practical with you, and, and it has to do with our next Israel study tour. Um, there are very few things that we could do to help us think biblically than to have a meaningful study tour of the land of Israel. And so I'd like to invite you to join me and my wife on our next Israel study tour. It's happening in October this year, October 5th to the 18th. I've worked very closely with a tour company in Jerusalem called Shorish Study Tours to craft a most meaningful experience that I call God's faithfulness then and now. We'll encounter ancient Israel and modern Israel in such a way to connect us with God's Word in its original geographical context. And and as we do that, we will um, grasp its ongoing relevance to our lives today like never before. So for more information about that, visit israelstudytours.ca. That's israelstudytours.ca. Don't wait. Space is limited. As I said, the next tour is October the 5th through the 18th, 2020. That's israelstudytours.ca. So I've already referred to as the truth of the Bible and how we need to understand or we need to interpret the truth of the Bible in the way of the Bible itself um, calls us to, to understand it. So an important factor in this is, is what we call the reliability of the Bible. For some of you, that might be a new, uh, a new thing. How can we know that the Bible is actually true? To have the, the truths of the Bible, it's not simply the, the Bible asserting truth. The Bible itself is God's written revelation of the way things really are. And and that's what the concept of truth is. Truth is a way to speak about reality, the way things really are. And the Bible provides us with God's chosen way to communicate the, the, the way things really are. And so... What I want to put forward by this call to think biblically is to accept that we have an interpretation problem, that we do face not only the, the opportunity to be exposed to what is, what is true and good and real, but we need to interact with it on its own terms. And I think this is something that we miss. So, 
just like our eye requires a healthy lens to see the physical world properly, so the Bible provides us with a lens to see the world properly. Of course, it's more, the eye is more complicated than that, and, and so is life. There are many things that get in the way, and whether we use the, the metaphor of the eye or not, but there's other lenses that we tend to put on that skew our vision of the world. Personal lenses. Whether from our experiences or, or, or just our druthers. Uh, religious lenses. Denominational lenses. Ideological lenses. Theological lenses. And it's my conviction that the Bible is actually written in such a way to... I was going to say break those skewed lenses, but that sounds a little negative. Actually, what it does is it heals our vision. The Bible is written in such a way to heal the way we see the world. But a professor of mine many years ago made the comment that the Bible is a sensitive book. You know, you could actually make mincemeat out of the Bible if you want to. You could trample it. You could... You could do all sorts of things with it. it. It kind of allows itself to be abused. Just like God. Just like Jesus, Yeshua, comes into the world and allows himself to be abused. But it was key. That vulnerability was key to rescue us. And so the Bible is written in such a way that it's sensitive. It doesn't have um, high walls around it. It doesn't have barbed wire to prevent us from abusing it. But if we are sensitive to the scriptures, then it will speak to us. And that's what I want to explore. I want to explore the the intriguing, sometimes difficult to understand, complex, vast, profound ways the Bible speaks about life and provides us God's perspective on the world in which we live. And at this point, my plan for the next episode is we're going to look at one of the, the major obstacles that prevents us from seeing the Bible on its own terms. I'm going to leave, leave it for now. I'm going to explain next time. But for now, thank you for listening. Do please comment, like, share, whatever it is you can do to help uh, get this podcast out there. Uh, do check out thinkingbiblically.ca. Remember the .ca? Thinkingbiblically.ca for past episodes. And while you're there, uh, you can check out our next Israel study tour and you can subscribe to my uh, newsletter as well. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Biblically podcast with Bible teacher Alan Gilman. More information about Alan Gilman's Bible teaching is available at his website, alangilman.ca. Thank you.